Our podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company. They are a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support the members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits to them. Do not wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each and every month with our coffee club, the coffee that gives back. All right, folks, thank you for again for tuning into another episode of Bucks of America podcast. Uh, tonight, I have Mr. Hunter Smitto on the podcast, and this is kind of like a part three of the trilogy of the Tennessee Kentucky boys, because we started off our series with Ben Harrison, then we moved to Matt Powell, and now here we are with Hunter. Now, Hunter adds an extra element. He's like, he gets to be part of history. Now, what I mean by that is he, he actually gets to be there and measure all of the antlers and all the racks and gets to be there and shake hands with all these hunters that get to, to have these once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. And Hunter is right there. He started his own little blog, and he's building things going. He's part of Buckmasters. And we're going to talk a lot of different things about what's all going on here. But I want to know, like, look, since because if you listen to Ben and you listen to Matt's, we always like to start off with a very warm introduction. Like, how did you get in hunting? Who are your influences? Like, what really inspired you to like to keep like go being in the woods instead of staying outside of the woods? Yeah, man. So um, to start off, you know, I met I met Ben through uh, bow hunting league. Actually, um, we talked back and forth, and and he kind of come out and said, "Hey, man, uh, you know." If you're interested in scoring some deer, we'd be interested in having you. And I was like, yeah, for sure. So we put together a list of scores across the country, including myself, um, that cover each state for the bow hunting league. Um, so guys been contacted through us, uh, contacting us through that to come out and score the deer for the league. And then Matt Powell, um, we're both from Clarksville, Tennessee. So we go way back um, since I was in high school. And uh, we did a little coon hunting together over okay. the years. So, yeah. Kind of cool, man. That's really it's really exciting to hear like hear you guys all in a big group. And that's the biggest thing about look, about hunting is like we all want the, the camaraderie because even though yeah. we may be bow hunters, we like to be a solo hunt, but it's still fun to go out and, and tackle a property together and manage it and watch it grow. So then what did you cut your teeth on growing up while you're hunting in, in there in uh, Kentucky? Uh, yeah, man. So I, I actually grew up hunting Tennessee. Tennessee, um, pardon me. Being, yeah, yeah. No, you're good, man. Being from Clarksville, uh, I grew up hunting Tennessee with my granddad and my father, um, more so my granddad, and uh, just grew for a passion over it. And then once I turned 16, was able to drive. It was it was full speed ahead. So um, really started focusing on how I could manage land and watching videos and reading everything I possibly could to mm -hmm. become a better hunter. And um, really started to develop my own keen. Um, sense for where the deer are going to be and how to how to maneuver to be there, um, whether it be public land, private land. Um, been very fortunate over the years with helping out farmers and doing what I can to be able to access the land that I have. So um, it's 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 been a it's been a heck of a ride so far. So let's I'm I'm just trying to keep it going. That's pretty fantastic. So at 16, what just kind of clicked for that? You like you just I take it you you had a girlfriend, but you just spent most of the time like focused on what's going on in front of you what keeps you happy keeps you safe. yeah yeah deer hunting kept me out of trouble it was one of those things to where um i wasn't partying on friday night because i had to get up and go deer hunting saturday morning um and the only time it ever got me in trouble was when i was uh maybe missing school to sit in the deer stand during the rut 
I could see that being being causing issues. See, I, if I if I had the the knowledge I do now, if I could tell myself at 16, like just focus on hunting and stop chasing tail, get home yeah. in a ball game. You know, it's like <laughs> as soon as you scratch that itch, it's like you just never can it's, you never can it never be satisfied. You know, and yeah. uh, I've gotten to working and never really never really got back into it. And college took over, so it's like now it's like for the last eight years, nine years, it's like I'm just like. Div, uh, dove right into it but the nice thing is like d- this day and age there's so much resources there for people for sure. to jump right into it. it's like you have groups like the bow hunting league you have bucks of america podcast page which like so there's thousands of people out there that are willing to work with somebody that's new and try to give them some tips and tricks you know it's like i do a lot of ground and pound so it's like i've learned some very interesting things this uh, uh past few weeks from just hunting hunt public land so Cause like I used to hunt pr- private, but now it's like being where I live in lacrosse in Wisconsin, there's a lot of uh, public land where you can take advantage of or farm management lands, which is fantastic. Now, uh, does Tennessee offer some type of a farm management land where, where a farmer or a logger can take some of the land that they're, they're not really using, put it in a public trust where it allows them to go hunting, fishing, hiking, um, as far as public access, we have very, very selective public land in Tennessee. Um, land between the lakes is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. of course you had Fort Campbell military base, um, that a lot of people take, a lot of people take advantage of. Um, but really outside of that, um, we got some small, some small places like Dover bottoms and stuff. Um, but other than that, man, it's Tennessee is not big on public land. Um, and that's mm-hmm. been an argument for years with both the DNR and, and of course, the public. Um, but in a sense, I feel like it's helping as well, because those are areas that are hot spots. Um, deer get to go in there, get old and get mature. Um, and so if they ever are opened up, um, it'll be it'll be some hot spots in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. At least we have several different charities out there trying to go and trying to develop more of that public land access. And like, I really like what uh, Wisconsin's done with this because then this way, then they can be part of it. Like the land I'm hunting right now is like they've been part of it since 2000, so they've been over been in the program for over 20 years, almost 20, over almost over 20 years, and they're being able to give back. And it's like it's nice because it's like I'm saying I have one spot that says like 200 some acres, and I have another spot that has 50 acres, another one that's 14 acres. So they're all within a 15 mile now. It's like it's going up and down hills, but you're yeah. used to that too. So it's like you gotta you gotta you gotta have a vehicle that's gonna be able to maintain going up and down these hills, especially when it starts getting a little slick outside. Oh, for sure, for sure. We obviously don't get the snow, y'all do. No, no, yeah, that is very true. Because what what's an average snowfall out there in Tennessee? Man, they cancel school if they call for a snow. <laughs> so, if they call for a dusting, we're we're canceled for a week. No, okay. yeah, dude, it's ridiculous. Now, do you live like? Are you in a very rugged area where there's like very little uh, flatland? Um. So actually, right now, uh, because of my day job, I, I live in Russellville, Kentucky. So where I live is is pretty flat um there's there's not a lot of hills i mean i've i've got a couple hills behind the house that you know i hunt but other than that man it's it's pretty flat cropland um it's set up a lot like kansas is there's little cuts of trees that connect big open fields so it's a little bit different than crossing the border into tennessee from kentucky where you go from flat fields and in kentucky right here where i'm at to nothing but big timber and rolling hills in Tennessee, which is where I grew up. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different style of hunting versus hunting big timber and 
um, hunting little funnels and, and pinch points and stuff here in Kentucky. Okay. It sounds like we're like Wisconsin has a very slimmer landscape because like if you're close to the Mississippi, you're what we call the driftless area. And it's like when you're in the wintertime, it's, it makes, it's, it's nice being in there. Cause I used to live 70 miles to the West in Rochester area and that's all flatland. And it's like when it, when you get a half inch of snow, it just, it sucks. Cause it's like you, if you get 20, 30 mile winds, you can't see anything within front of you. you have to, like you have to literally look for the rumble strip to make sure you're going straight. Wow. Wow. Uh, Cause it's like, there's not a lot. And the worst part is like, we've been living here for centuries and nobody's like, Hey, why don't we plant trees? You know, why don't we plant <laughs> some sheet of trees? But apparently that's not a good idea these days. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like when you go, th- when you get further into Wisconsin, we get into some flat land and especially going down towards Illinois and, and uh, uh, Wisconsin, there's some spots where it's rolling Hills, very little timber. So it's a very diverse area to hunt. And the nice thing is, when you get a buck tag in Wisconsin, you can hunt the entire state. So that's why so it's very convenient. Now, when you're doe hunting, you are not necessarily limited to the county, but it's like they, they want to get accurate numbers. So this way they can manage what they need to do for, for tag count and for allocation and stuff. Because right. you're if anybody knows Wisconsin, we are the what not to do when it comes down to CWD. Right, right. We, I mean, Tennessee's been fighting the CWD a little bit, um, obviously a lot in the southwest region, the CWD areas, but um, Kentucky fights it every year, especially EHD. Um, EHD it's just, is, you know, I think it's EHD is far worse than CWD because that just – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It really Luckily for us, takes over the animal. It hasn't really hit any of the areas that I hunt. I hunt the northern part of Tennessee, a um, little bit of the middle Tennessee area, but a lot of the southern middle Kentucky Um so it really hadn't hit very much. Um, I have branched it, branched out, and I got some property on Illinois, in Ohio this year that I'm excited about. So, fingers crossed, it it doesn't hit there very very hard. That's excellent. But we've seen a very con- consistent uh, summer throughout the yeah. mid throughout yeah. the Midwest. So it's like there's been we had a like a three week drought, but then all of a sudden, right towards a labor uh, yeah Labor Day, we got uptick of rain, and it's been con- constantly raining off and on. So it's like it's really established some moisture back on the ground. So it's like it's helped out a lot. And then yeah. and at least I know here in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, we're we're like where I travel along between the between I ninety and I eighty corridor. Yeah, because uh. Ben was telling me like, he he was out there in Iowa this weekend, and he was just like three hours from me. So he's coming back during the ruts. I, w- I want to try to see if I can figure out a way I can sneak on down there and hang out with him for a, a, for a few moment, for a few hours or like so this way. Then it'd be nice to just kind of meet him face to face, and we can record a face to face podcast instead of over Zoom because it's like uh, him and I have been sharing some stories because I was telling him of one that I have this dough. For the first time, I ran into her two weeks ago, and I'm sitting out in the nowhere. I'm playing on my phone. It's like I posted a picture on my Facebook page showing me like that picture I sent was like from there on it was all business because I had to quick hide my phone. And she was 60, 60 yards out, and it's like she saw me. She wasn't sure who I was, what I was because of how I was able to be broken up between all the leaves because I don't have a blind or a burlap sack. It's just like, it's just me in a chair. That's it. And as she's progressing closer and closer, she goes from 60 to 40 to 20, all the way up to seven yards away. And it's like, it's real wow. close. And it's a, and it's like, I get to give it a good opportunity to actually look mm-hmm. at the full structure of the animal. And it's like, I knew she was only two and a half years old. So it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to shoot you. I'm going to pass on you. But now it's like, 
I kind of have this bond where there's like, do I want to shoot her or do I want to let her pass? But it's like <clears throat> Wednesday last week, we had another recursion because it's like I wasn't able to get a shot off the, that first week because what ended up happening is I thought she was at 25. I sat her in for 30 and my arrow just went straight up and over. So I do have the relaxation of the not having a bad shot on her, but don't forget your range finder in your truck. Needless right. to say, right. the worst yeah. part is my truck was only like 50 yards away. So I could have easily, once I recognized it, hop back out and grind over. But it's like, I mean, maybe I'm still good enough to recognize distances and stuff, but that was a lesson learned. Uh, at least it was an easy lesson learned. Then she shows up again next week and she just comes out of like a bat out of hell. It's like, what's going on here? Cause it's like next minute. No, it's like, I'm looking over. I just see you. Like, there you are. And as she's there, it's like, she, she must've smelled the nose jammer. And I really has, it has been a, a game changing product for me this year. It's like, we're not, I'm not sponsored by her or anything like that. They're, they're based out of Winona, Minnesota. And all I did was I took it, sprayed it a, a 360 circle all the way around where I was sitting at. And deer will look at me, but they won't smell me. And it's like, they'll just walk right on by as long as I don't, yeah create too much movement or anything that catches their eye but uh yeah she came in she went 12 7 12 so many hours so many yards away but then she took off and i i wasn't able to actually get a shot on her so what i did is i was like i was trying to prepare if she was going to backtrack well as i'm adjusting my seat i look underneath my left arm here's three does walking out and it's like i sit and i sit down and flags go up and they just took off Yep. And they wheezed on me twice. It's like, well, about 45 minutes before dark, dark, dark. So it's like, well, I'll just sit here and wait because it's a big lot of area. I mean, it's like because 200 yards in the way, there's there's another bunch of deer. So you never know what to expect when you're hunting public land, man. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, so let's see here. How did you like get involved with being a scorer? Cause that's something that I don't even know how you'd even apply for. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and you can apply, you can go on the, the websites for both, uh, Buckmasters, uh, Pope Young, Benny Crockett and, and, and apply. Um, it's an application process. Of course. Um, okay. I was, was invited, uh, by Ed Waite, um, who's up in Ohio. Um, he has scored a couple of deer of mine and, um, our scores are pretty close and he knew I had a passion for it. So when the invite come out for Buckmasters, he, um, he sent me an invite through the mail, filled it out, uh, drove all the way up to northern Ohio from uh, Russellville, Kentucky, to do a uh, class all day. So it is an okay. all-day class. Um, you're measuring deer the whole time. Um, you're reading through the book. You have to take a test. Um, me, and I think there was, uh, I want to say there was 11 other, maybe 12 scores okay. um, that went through the class. Um, everybody did great. And so um, – yeah, man. Ever since then, uh, I think I got my official scores, you know, official, you know, my certificate to be an official scorer. I think I got it June 6th. So since June 6th, um, I scored over 130 deer and right now knocking on 60 going in the record books uh, by the end of the week. That's insane. Yeah. So my goal is to have 100 to 120 by the end of the year. Um, and now – my new goal is to to try to hold as many of the state record scores as I can. I've I've got two, so I'm off to a good start. So why don't you, you before we hit record, you gave me you kind of gave me a breakdown between the two the two gentlemen and the two bucks. Why don't you tell the audience about that experience that you endured? <clears throat> yeah, so it started off um, 
it, it just so happened, uh, it's, it's kind of funny, I had a wedding to go to up in California, Kentucky, up north. And I, I scheduled a couple bucks to be scored. Um, the day before I left, or maybe it was two days before I left, uh, uh, the uh, bullock buck was killed by Brandon um, with a compound bow from the ground. Um, it was a, and, and so I went up there to measure it, thinking, you know, hey, this may be the new Kentucky State record, um, according to the rough score. And we get there, and it was a little shy. It was 197 inch typical, which by no means is something to shake a stick at. It was an absolute giant. I mean, yeah, it had is. over had 31 plus inch main beams on it. Just just an absolute giant of a deer, um, and, and practically a mainframe eight. I mean, it, it was technically a typical 10. It had some trash, but um, I mean, just looking at the deer, it was it was unreal. So I leave there. I go score um, five or six other deer for a gentleman. Um, one was in the one eighties and then leaving there, I drove two hours North, um, and got, uh, I've been talking to Jeremy, Huff, uh, Jeremy Huffman about scoring his deer back and forth. And he finally committed and was like, yeah, man, come on up. Let's do this. So I meet him at his work. He pulls the deer out of the truck and I couldn't believe my eyes. Um, I'd heard it was two Oh five, but you know, who knows when it comes to rough scores. So. I wasn't expecting what he pulled out of the truck. And when, when he pulled out of the truck, yeah, I knew it was something special. So we put a tape to it right there at his work, and it come out at 203 inches, which is the new Kentucky Jesus. State record. Yeah, it's a new Kentucky State record with a crossbow, typical. So it was 208 inch typical. That's insane. Man, yeah, that's just yeah. like that's a that's a once now. What no what's his like take after that? Is is he like is he gonna I'm assuming he's still going to hunt, but what's oh, what goes through a guy's today. head after you after you shoot a record like that? I I talked to him today. Um, we've actually became pretty good friends. Uh, I actually, you know, he invited me up to hunt with him and and uh, Southern Hog Slayers Outdoors is, is he's part of a TV show uh, on the Pursuit Channel called Southern Hog Slayers Outdoors. And and uh, when a guy shoots a record, a state record deer, and then invites you to hunt the next week, you don't turn it down. So I, I wouldn't either. Right. So I shot up there and, and uh, uh, we did a little hunting and um, scored a bunch more deer. I think we ended up scoring 19 total, 16 made the books between him and his buddies. Um, and all killed in that little area. Oh, yeah, there was two or three 190s, couple 180s um, that were all killed within a mile of each other of that record deer over the past Jesus. Yeah, it's a Man, That's spot. some good genes right in that spot right there. Yeah. They're, they, yeah. they're all relatives. You know that for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a hot spot. So, um, yeah, we did that and, and – as far as him, he's a, he's a super humble guy. Uh, he's worked very hard for that deer. Um, like I said, I, he's, he actually is hunting today. Uh, they shot up to Ohio and did some hunting today, matter of fact. So he's mm -hmm. already on the lookout for another 200-inch typical. So he's Man. hoping to break the Ohio record now. That's I, I'm hoping it does because uh, the, the, what's uh, – I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was on uh, – uh, White Tail Rendezvous with Bruce Hutchins, and he would talk to – it was the, the big, ma massive – Typical from out of Wisconsin or out of uh, Ohio. God, what was his name? What was the guy's name? Oh, oh, wow. Are you talking about, the, talking about the typical 16 point? It was yeah. shot last year. I, was it or, or was it a couple years ago? I know it wasn't. It was within the last like three years, four years. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was so, on it. But that's like it's 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 amazing what you learn from those. Like, what did he provide you any advice on like and how he was able to be successful with it with setting on the ground? Well, <laughs> well we. We have to kind of we, – we got an article coming out for Rack Magazine, so okay. that's something you guys can turn into. But um, There we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just the gist of it was is is he um, he hunted his deer for three years on, its par on his parents' place. Okay. Um, and he bought a farm in 2019 that he let anybody and everybody hunt. 
Um, just, just like I said, a super nice guy. He is not, he's not one to say my dear, my dear, my dear. Okay. Well, he'd been getting pictures of this deer, um, which I ended up scoring the shed from last year to the state record, his state record deer. I scored the shed to it this past weekend at his house that his neighbor had. Okay. Um, and it's unbelievable on how close they were. And if y'all go to my page, you can, you can guess on the, the, um, the difference of the scores because the the real the reveal will be in the rack magazine but anyways um he ended up buying this farm a hundred acre farm right down the road and a- after three years of history at his parents place he pulls he has some buddies coming up from florida and pulls his camera cards on this place he bought that's a mile and a half down the road from his parents house and it's two three weeks for season and that deer is on it oh um, yeah yeah so needless to say um there wasn't that many people hunting his farm no more. <laughs> when a deer that he's been chasing for a year showed up on his camera a mile and a half down the road, um, that deer had crossed multiple, multiple other properties that were heavily hunted. Um, that that deer crossed government public land. Um, it, it's just unreal how far that deer went. So um, how far did it go to kind of give us a perspective? About a mile and a half, by the way, the crow flies. And this is pretty hilly ground, so you okay. could probably tell. I got you then, because I wasn't quite sure how like um, how it all works in that in that in that neck of the woods there. But man, that's now yeah. a, a buck that mature. How what is a, a range on a buck like that? Is it like I've heard different stories, well, but what's your experience? Man, everybody says different things. Um, you know, a lot of people say the older the buck gets, the smaller the home range gets, and I I would second that. Um, but you have these wild circumstances where there's certain deer that just travel more than others. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up shooting a, a, a eight point, he's a mainframe eight point, went 187 inches and, and we've had pictures of him for four years and he got bigger every year and he's, yeah. you know, eight and a half, nine and a half years old deer. And, and he, he was a giant and got bigger every year. Um, and his own area wasn't very big. Um, that being said, this deer, like I said, was, was traveling, you know, traveled over a mile and a half, mile to mile and a half, you know. By, by the way, the crow flies, and, and he was still moving. And so Jeremy knew that if he didn't kill his deer, somebody was going to, which is much, with as much ground as that deer was covering. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think it varies. I think deer have different personalities. Of, of course, where you live in the country matters a lot um, between food and, and cover and bedding area and, and, you know, like the wildfires and stuff going on when their habitat burns down, they got to go somewhere. Yes. Um, Communities pushing them out, you know, all that stuff has has a, a factor in this. So, um, it, it's it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. I don't think there's. I don't think we'll ever find out um, what the true answer to that is. That is, a, I think that's a, probably a safe bet right there. Because I don't think we'll ever figure that out either. Because we'll be hunting deer for because we've we've done such good job of conservation over the last sixty years that we've learned so much in the last 20. It's like, we'll, we're always yeah. going to keep finding out more information and such. Uh, let's see here. And then um, now what is Buckmasters? Cause it's like, we all know Pope and young and, yeah. the, and the safari club is like, give us a, a history of the Buckmasters. So Buckmasters got a little late start. Booney Crockett and Pope and young got a 20 year head start on us. Um, but Buckmasters is a full credit scoring system. So we don't make the deer hunters conform to criteria for perfect symmetry. Um, we have different categories. We have 10 different uh, uh, categories as far as harvest method, um, including pickup, which is, you know, uh, uh, deadheads. 
and we also have shed antlers. Um, so when, when you harvest, it depends on what weapon you harvest a, an animal with. Um, bow has to be 105 inches without the spread. Okay. Gun has to be 140 inches without spread. Shed antlers have to be 75 inches or better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and when, when you look at the bow and the gun, it puts it right there at Pope and Young. A lot of people are like, well, 105 inches without spread, that's a little deer. Well, you add in the spread, you say a 20-inch spread, that's 125 inches, that's Pope and Young. Mm-hmm. And, and same mm-hmm. with Boone and Crockett. So you you take a 140-inch deer, you put a 20-inch spread in there, it's 160 inches. So it's it's right there with them. Um, the only thing is, is the, and the reason we do that is, is spread is air. That is not true antler. Um, spread is, is literally air. So you're measuring just the, the air between the antlers. So what we do on our scoring system, and people get confused about this a lot when they look in our record books, there's two actual scores. There's a total number of inches, and there's a BTR score. The total number of inches is literally just the number of inches uh, of antler that deer has. The BTR score is when the width is added in, so your inside spread. So um, that's that's one of the main differences, and we've got four different categories. we got perfect. Uh, typical, semi-regular, and irregular, and it, it comes down to math. So um, very few deer fall in the perfect category. They have to be symmetrical on both sides, same number of points, and less than 1% irregular. Um, it, it's, it's, it comes into math. It can get a little tricky sometimes, but it, um, it definitely is more fair to the deer hunters. Okay. So, it's, so by fair, it's like they, you're, they're, like you said, they don't the, – the, Pope and Young has their own standards where it makes you the, yet the hunter has to conform to their standards. Yeah. 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 Okay. But the Crockett's the same way. What is, uh, you said BTR, right? Is that one of the acronyms? What does that break down to? What is those, what is those letters? BTR is just the, is the acronym we use when we, when we're saying that, you know, we're going to add the spread in with the, with the score. Okay. Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, In flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. That makes sense then with the whole process then. Uh, yeah, yeah. That sounds like you're you're having a blast with the whole process here. Man, I am, dude. I am. Um, it is. It has been an adventure. I've put thirty five hundred miles on the road just this month, um, scoring deer. Um, a little over, I think, six thousand miles so far just scoring deer. Period. 
uh, just traveling all over the state of Kentucky, um, all over the state of Tennessee. Uh, I've been as far as California, Kentucky, which is right next to Cincinnati, all the okay. way down to Columbia, Tennessee, and everywhere in between. So um, wow. really been putting in some miles. Then, so then when somebody, uh, when you set up an appointment to, for, to have their deer scored, does the, did, is there a fee incorporated with that? Or how do you co- um, compensate with the gas? Because that's a lot of mileage. Well, well, that's what you call um, a hobby. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So I do not get paid anything from being an official scorer. Um, I do not make a dime off of it. If people tip me, hey, I appreciate it greatly. Um, other than that, man, we don't we don't make a dime off this. This is a hundred percent, you know, um, just me donating my time. If your deer makes the record book or your shed makes the record book, there is a fee, an entry fee to get into the record book. Um, and it's like this with all scoring systems. So with our scoring system, if, if you have a deadhead, if you have um, or, or your deer that you harvested, you want to put it in the record books and it makes the record books, whether it be bow or gun. Um, it is a hundred or it is. Yeah. It's a $25 entry fee to get them into the record books. And for a shed, because you know, half is twelve fifty. So, um, and like I said, it goes in our record book. Our record book comes out every four years, uh, and actually, our new record book will be coming out next year, at the end of next year. So, all these deer y'all are seeing on my page, um, all the deer that you're seeing across the country being scored by Buckmasters will be in next year's record books. Well, that's fantastic. I, I was always curious about because, like, I have a buck. If you look behind me, it's sitting there on my yeah, daughter's yeah. bed, and it's like I've never, I'm not any ambitious to get it, but I didn't know what it would be if there was a fee because you have to have to pay some time, something to maintain the records and stuff because you want to keep this this material precious, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, how many years has Buckmaster's been around for? Like you said, BNC um, and uh, you guys had a 20 year uh, head start on you. This, this scoring system was adopted in the mid-1990s. The first book, Master's Book, was published in, yeah, it was found in 1994. Okay. So that's when, that's when our first book came out. <laughs> and that's say that's quite all right, man. Cause it's like, I never really heard of Buckmasters until I heard from you. And it's like, I thought it was something that you created, but now since we've got a, a, a history on the whole process, it's pretty cool. Uh, I've, have you seen that new uh, measuring stick, the new measuring uh, tool that they, that I see flashed on Facebook? Are, is anybody actually using that as a credible which, measuring tool or not? Which one are you talking about? Are you talking about the digital ones? Yeah, where, where they just kind of run the, the inside and the outside and everything like that. Is that yeah. kind of considered a green yeah. score then? Do you use I, that thing? We're not able to use that. Um, I, I've never heard of any official scores for any scoring system use that. Um, and I've never used it myself, so I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I could comment on it or not. Um, we use a lot of cables and um, clips is what we use, little alligator clips, and then we use a ruler. And so we'll sit there and use the cable to, to measure out each uh, each time, each main beam, and then we'll use the tape measure for circumferences. But once we measure it out with the with the um, cable, then we'll take the um, we'll take the clip, clip it on the main beam at the end of the point, or you know, vice versa, and measure it on the actual ruler or the measuring tape. And it's it's a lot more accurate that way. Okay, that makes more sense because I mean, I. Everybody has to have pretty much almost the exact same measuring method just to kind of make keep everything consistent between the different groups of bo- different record books out there. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and what you'll find is, is that Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett are very similar scoring systems. Um, they've kind of, you know, Pope and Young kind of adopted 
the, the Benny Crockett scoring system. Uh, Buckmasters is a total different entity on its own, and, and that's what has appealed to me about it. Um, you look at the record book from Buckmasters versus the other scoring systems, mm-hmm. and our records are totally different. We have a total of 40 different um, records, so it's, it's, it's a vast variety. So, we, so 40 different records for each state on top of that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. So it just depends on the method of harvest, um, what category the deer falls under, all that stuff. So, And, and we're strictly whitetail deer and coos deer. Um, now we do cover Canada and the United States. Okay, so you guys do branch quite a quite a ways then. Now, because yeah, yeah. uh, in uh, no, does Tennessee have elk yet or not? Uh, yes, yes. Tennessee has elk. Um, they had a couple between land between the lakes. I may be mistaken on this, but if I'm not mistaken, they moved them all over to eastern Tennessee, where they actually have quota hunts. Um, so they're not quite what Kentucky is on the elk. Yeah, um, but. I'm hoping we're getting there. So same thing with Wisconsin. This is our year number three of getting into into allowing the people to get out there and hunt. But it's like only four tags are allotted to the public, and then the other six, one is for the governor's tag, and the other one, is, the other five are for uh, the the reservations and such for them to give an have an opportunity to have a first crack at them. Then last year we had a couple of people shoot a couple of uh uh. St- uh, raghorns up there in northern wisconsin they got themselves a little bit of trouble because it's like you can't make you can't you, you just there's you, there's no way you can miss them or make uh, make a mistake between an elk and a whitetail now so you were saying that you're you guys only handle coos and whitetail do yeah, you guys do anything handle, else we only handle coos and whitetail no uh, okay. buckmasters just simply for those those two species so. you guys don't do either blacktail or sick deer uh, not as of right now, we do not. Okay. Wonder why is that? Is that something that is just I, not a popular hunted animal or something? I, I'm not sure to be honest with you. Um, we've there's been talk of venturing out over the years. Um, but for now, you know, we are we are sticking heavily with the whitetail. Um, and, and of course the coos. And I think the reason we're doing the coos is just because it's it's so closely related to the whitetail. Yeah, it's just they're. I've never when I used to live on Arizona, it's like you could see them out in the distance, but they're like they're the they're, they're literally what they're called the gray goose is like gray ghosts because yeah. it's like one minute you see them, the next minute you don't see them because it's like you yeah. watch Steve Rennell and Randy Newberg and all those guys going down there to Arizona and, and Mexico to hunt these these majestic animals, and it's like you see these little bodies and they're just so small. You know, There's a like, lot of people that cannot tell the difference between a white tail and a coos. Um, and it, and it's hard. I mean, they're the same animal, just size difference, really. Because mm-hmm. yeah, because it gets it's they get triple digits all the way down there, and here we get double digits below zero. So it's a whole different ball game between the, yeah. the two different species. But uh, I know uh, they said that that uh, they took some deer from Wisconsin. They took them down to Alabama here several years ago to try to get them in there to try to try to beef them up a little bit more. But it's like with the, with how hot and humid it is, get down there. It's like I don't. It they start it struggle to maintain that weight. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and when you look at the deer's antlers, they're they're literally just a big air conditioner. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. So, the the body sizes definitely change um, depending on where you're out in the country. See, right here in Kentucky, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. So you you ease up into that central Kentucky zone, and yeah. you start there in the mid two hundreds. Um, you don't really see them pushing three hundred that often, but you can. Um, and then you get down to northern Tennessee, which is, I mean, that's an hour, maybe, maybe an hour drive. Um, and the deer, 
a giant is is two twenty five to two fifty. So you know, body wise. So mm-hmm. you know, you start looking at that, and it's just and the weather's not that different. In, in Clarksville, it's crazy, or in Northern Tennessee, where where Matt's from, and myself. Yeah, it'll it'll get down to single digits in the wintertime, and summertime it's one hundred and five. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee is one of those places you'll see all four seasons in the same day. That's awesome, man. So for uh, for a non-resident to call out, go out to um, Tennessee to go hunting, what's what's the price tag on that? Man, I think it's unless it's changed, it, it's around three hundred and ten. I think three hundred five, three hundred ten dollars. If I'm not mistaken, it's like Wisconsin is like cheap because like for for a buck tag in Wisconsin, it's one hundred sixty bucks. That's yeah, it. yeah. Well, Kentucky out of state. Yeah, Kentucky out of state. I think is three sixty five. Wow. See, Minnesota is like a one eighty, so they're they're a little bit yeah. they're, they're kind of stuck in between the two of them. But well, you go to like it's good to go to Iowa though. I mean, that's that's an expensive uh, haul there just to get the tag and such to go hunting. Yeah, from. yeah, yeah. Well, and so Tennessee's a little different than most states. I'm not sure what y'all's what y'all's bag limits are up there, or the amount of deer you're allowed to kill up there, but. And Unit L, where I'm from, um, and most of the, the majority of the state of Tennessee is, um, we're allowed two bucks a year, which was three bucks a year up until a couple of years ago, and then they, they dropped it down to two. And I'm, we're all hoping they drop it down to one. Um, mm-hmm. It just helped the management tremendously. But we're allowed to shoot three does a day every day of the season. Jesus. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So you pretty so, much have an infinite number of doe tags. Well, you get three a day every day of the season. That's a uh, but to consider that's a that's a lot of venison yeah. to process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you know you look at places like Fort Campbell, uh, uh, which borders Montgomery County, right where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's its own entity. So you pay for your tag there, and you get one buck tag for the year, and then you get three does a day every day of the season, just like you do in Tennessee. So essentially, you can hunt both places, shoot six does in one day in two bucks wow that's still a good chunk of meat to meet see for us here like we get one buck and then we yep. get and depending on what county you're in the county i'm hunting in is is uh three doe three does and so between my wife and i we have we have eight tags to fill so it's like we're we're i'm, I'm we're not really being too real honestly too being too picky for what we what comes in front of us so i'm just my goal is to get her in front of some deer this year and actually for her to, to, to get a chance to shot it. Cause I shot my buck here a couple years ago and it's like, I don't have the same drive as I did to get my own. And it's like, once you kind of get that, it's like the drive goes like, now I want to help somebody else to get, get their goal yeah. and, and, and just kind of pass in that good faith. Thing. Cause she, I mean, she helped me gut this one and drag it out the whole nine. Cause he was a, he was a big boy to get him out there. Cause when I finally found him, he was all stiff. Rigor Morris is all set in. So, uh, because jumped the fence to a uh, another person's uh, property, he had left for the evening. So I was like, well, I, I didn't have permission to go get it. So we had to drive back to Wisconsin, turn around, drive all the way back to Minnesota to pick it up. Now it's like we're strictly hunting here in uh, Wisconsin. So it's like us, like man, it's like if you guys all want to come up and hunt with me, it's like it's like it's going to be fairly cheap for you guys, right? Guys, right. Because the nice thing is we have plenty of places where we're public land where you can go go camping and stuff like that. And so it's really easy to, to make things. And hopefully we're with the, with the market pending the, we're not quite sure what the market's going to be doing, but we're looking at buying a, a um, house. And if things get lucky, we can maybe buy a, buy some, like buy some acreage along with it too, or at least buy some of the butts up next to some of these public lands. Cause there's a lot of available or the farm management land. There's a lot of options these days for us out here. 
Um, yeah, for sure. Sounds like you're as lucky like I am. My my wife is second to none. She she wakes me up to go hunting more days than I wake her up. So she eats yeah. it up, and she's focusing on getting one with her bow this year. And and uh, she's hunting both Tennessee and Kentucky with me this year. So she's she's been uh, taking care of the kids while I've been out in the woods doing my thing. And uh, I got a feeling there's going to come a time where I'm going to be taking care of the kids, and she's going to be out in the woods. Yep, you're you're at the like I bet it's like the only thing is uh, what is what's going to happen is like as soon as you probably get your buck tag filled, it's like well your yep. turn to watch the kids. How many yep. how many kids do you have? <laughs> Uh, we have we have two little boys. We have a four year old and a two month old. As of oh history. wow, man, yeah. just like uh, Ben's got a young family too. It's like you guys are yep. really young. I have just I have a seven year old girl. So and she's got an archery. She's got uh, yeah, she's got a t- simple recurve bow. So we've been practicing with that one since she was three. But I'm yep. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that it's not quite for her. But who knows? We'll, we'll things change for interests and likes and stuff like that. So it's like we just. I think if we would maintain the consistency. I think she'll follow the same thing too. But yeah, yeah, it's like my wife, she bought herself a bow and like get this for our uh, wedding and for, for wedding. Instead of buying her a diamond ring, I bought her a sick P320 carry. Yeah. <laughs> instead of, and so instead of dropping like four or five grand on a diamond, she wanted a pistol. And it's like, that's an, awesome. Yeah. Cause when we when I originally pitched the idea of six hours, we hadn't won the military contract yet. So they still had approached or they had a, like a uh, extravagant shop where you can spend like, it was like everything, like things were gold plated a whole nine. And like one of their guns, there was like, you had the same colors. She's a big bears fan. So I was going to buy that. I was going to buy that. It was going to cost me like 3,200 or something like that for the whole. It's like, it's one of those things where you put in a frame and that's it. And so, yeah. but uh, then they, then they get away with it after they want it. And then, so then when I proposed, that's what she wanted. So now it's like, it's it just, I'm trying to get her to let me buy her a new um, uh, venom for uh for a red dot site for it. And then for yeah. me, she, we just got, I just, uh, we, we waited a while and then I'm fine. I got myself the uh, SIG P320 X5 Legion. And I tell you what, that gun is, it's, 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 I think it's like designed to be the right of the box competition pistol. And it shoots very, very well, very well balanced. It's a nice, it's a nice gun. And then for anniversary gift, she got me a red, uh, green dot and a flashlight mount for it. So it's just, I can't find any manufacturers that make a holster for it. So it's like, cause we had an experience a couple of years ago where her and I were out setting and I was just grunting away and just trying to get something to come around. Well, she spots a coyote about 40 yards out. So it's like, I hand her my, uh, uh, range finder. So this way she can kind of give me updates and I'm, already had an arrow knocked is just dialing my slider in to figure out where i was going to put one at but ever since then she's just like kind of gotten scared so she always wants us to be carrying a sidearm but now since we're hunting in minnesota and considering how many big bears that we shoot here every year every fall and every spring so it's kind of it's kind of a, a needful thing to have for sure for sure so it's been it's been a nice thing so now so you started your own Buckmasters Kentucky and Tennessee page. Now, is that something that's affiliated with Buckmasters or this is your own brainchild? So, so no, this is definitely affiliated with Buckmasters. I created this page just as kind of a page to keep people updated on the deer I'm scoring um, or have scored or will be scoring. Um, and um, I branched out with Rack Magazine, which is the magazine officiated with uh, uh, Buckmasters. Um there, you, you guys need to, to stay tuned into that. They have giants in there every year. We've got this year completely filled up. And if I'm not mistaken, six months of next year's uh, subscriptions are filled up uh, with deer, just, just giant, giant deer. So 
Um, when I created my Facebook page, it was just to, to kind of branch out and, and give everybody a heads up on what's coming. So it seems like people are enjoying it. They're, they're sharing my posts. Um, there's been a couple of other social media pages that include, you know, uh, Bucks of America that um, is following mm-hmm. um, the page and, and sharing the post. So it's really turned out good and I'm, I'm excited for it. So we'll see where it, where it goes. I'm excited for it, man. Cause I, it's like how like the whole Bucks of America podcast fell into my lap. It's like, I just met the right people and just kind of just fell right to where I wanted to be. It's like, it's like, I wanted to be a center of attention to be able to be able to show everybody these massive bucks being harvested all across the country and so i'm in, in dozens of groups and it's like i'm trying to when people i try to get as much information as i possibly can without being too personal and i just try to share this stuff because like it's nice to meeting a guy like yourself because then i can find really credible information and really good solid measurements so this way people can kind of get an idea and shine light to buck messages like up until a few days ago I, w- I had no idea of this particular organization so it's pretty exciting and now it's like I, I, I try to grab all the big the Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing, where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on, the Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape, and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow and the tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes you get an inch and five eighths an inch and three quarter as well as a new four pin multiple pin head all the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Uh, things that you've been doing and throwing them up there because it's like it's all it is. It's like it's just bucks, and I try to incorporate every every hunting aspect of it too. And it, it does bring some bring some happiness, but also bring some. Uh, negativity with and it's it's it's, it's yeah. frustrating because it is you you want to promote success and happiness and you want to promote uh, a, a healthy community and then you get the worst part about something like going viral it's like there was a a massive bear shot opening day here in Wisconsin it was came in at 812 pounds fields rest was like 712 um it, it, granted it's like that's 100 pounds but you're talking a massive bear. 
So it's like, yeah. and then the way they wear it too, like they, they have some, they have their own um, criteria and how the DNR are doing it. So I'm not going to, what sure what the finals are all going to be, but she got a lot of love, but then it, it blew up. It's like, it went, it yep. hit him. It went viral essentially for uh, for a hunting page. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting a bunch of hate. And what you, one thing you've, what we discussed earlier is that we actually have to cater a profanity filter and to, yep. to, to people for uh, constantly saying negative things about other things. Cause it's like, it's just simply jealousy. And it's like, there's no reason to be jealous, man. It's like, this is awesome. Cause it's like, you want to support the thing. And it's like, uh, like Shane Mahoney says, it's like, we are our own worst enemies if we're not careful with it. Yeah. So, and, and what it is, and it's like you said, it's, it's a shame is, you get these guys, and, and we've had it. We had it happen with the Brandon Buck, Brandon Bullock Buck. We had it happen with Jeremy Huffman's Buck, and we had it happen with Sean Scott's Buck, which is that velvet deer I posted, um, the hundred and ninety-three inch typical velvet that I posted on my page not too long ago. And and people just it, it boils down to people not knowing. Um, I don't want to call it ignorance. Um, it, it's just people not knowing, and. What's happening is, is these people get on there and they're, they're instead of congratulating the hunter, they're they're shooting them down. And I've noticed that the past year that the amount of people that are sticking up for other shooting deer is actually increased. So we went, of course, the past four or five years, this I don't know what to call it, um, bullying. I mean, is essentially what it is. Yeah. But people bullying people online, and others are starting to shine a light to it and saying, "Hey, this is not okay." Um, I'm one of those scores that if a, a, a kid walks in or a grown man for that matter, walks in with a four pointer and I've got two one fifties and, you know, two, two hundred sitting there in line. And this guy walks in and wants me to score his, his four point. I'm going to do it all day long. And I'm going to score just like I would the 200 and steer sitting mm-hmm. there. And to me, that's just as good a trophy as any of them. Yeah. That's the thing that's like, people think we have, this is trophy hunting, but everything is essentially comes down to a trophy because we, yep. are, we everybody has a reward system. And, and like for hunters, when we, ha- when we are able to capitalize on a big deer, that's, that's unfortunately it is a trophy, but it's for us, it's like, it's the, it, nobody sees the hours that we put into cultivating yep. the land, making sure it's well fed because it's like living here in Wisconsin, like last February, we had 40 inches of snow in 28 days. And then last, no, this was two years ago, that was 2018 and 2019, we barely got like 15 inches. So it's like we have to do a lot of extra ordinary stuff, extraordinary stuff to make sure these deer survive and be able to pass on their genes. So it's like when we're able to capitalize on a on a, a forky all the way up to a 200 class buck, it is a, 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 a it's it's a, it's a magnificent thing. And the biggest thing is like I try to strive for um, the focus on the meat. So this so this way so, that we're, I, I think we're there. You still there? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> my idea, that. like my goal, is always to focus on the, um, the the meat size of it. But the nice thing about having your resource is that having the stuff documented show is it's all about documentation, and data points, and science, and like how yeah. we can continue to make these animals live longer and maintain health and also combat edh and cwd and, every, and any other type of disease they may come in contact with out there in the wild yeah and you know my grandpa told me something when i was a kid and i was always wanting to shoot you know a great deer big deer and all this stuff and 
And he told me something. It's very, it's a very simple statement, and I've lived by it ever since. And 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 I'm living by it now on on the properties I'm hunting, especially this year. With I just I don't have any you know giant deer that you would call you know giants on camera. But you can't hunt a deer that ain't there. If you're hunting a property and your old mature deer is a hundred and thirty inch eight point or you know a hundred and ten inch deer, if that's your biggest deer to hunt and that deer gets your blood boiling. By all means, take that deer. Um, mm-hmm. That that is that is a trophy in your eyes. It's a trophy of mine, and that's that's just you know that's that's my thought on it. And that's how I've lived through my hunting career. Um, there's been years where you know, like I said, I, I've shot 187 inch deer in Montgomery County. Um, it was by far the biggest deer I've ever killed. The next year, I shoot 157 inch deer. Why? Because that deer got my blood boiling. That was the biggest deer we had on camera. He was the oldest, most mature deer we had on camera, and you know that's that's just the way I hunt. If if it gets me if it gets me all shook up and 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 uh, gets my blood boiling, I'm gonna take that deer every time. So if if you see these guys that are hunting Ohio, they're hunting Wisconsin, they're shooting giants lately, um, Kentucky, Tennessee, out west, wherever it is, and that guy is two miles from you, and he's got a 200 inch deer on camera, and don't you don't you don't need to feel bad for shooting 120 inch deer. If that's the biggest deer that you've seen all year, or that's the biggest deer of your life, whatever the case is, that's not your circumstance. It, you know, your circumstances aren't the same as that other guys. So there, there's no shame in the game, but just people need to remember they cannot hunt a deer that ain't there. That's that's a that's a very valid point there, and I think we we can move. I want to move on to like some some hunting tips and tactics and such. So you said you're doing hunting public land here. So what's what's your approach when you're when you're doing your your e scouting before you step foot on that property? I use Hunt Stand a lot, um, as well mm-hmm. as Google Maps. Um, my day job, I, I I do a lot of drafting, so um, I have access to AutoCAD where I can overlay maps together and all that kind of stuff. So I do a lot of aerial scouting. Um, without going into the area. Um, I focus on pinch points, funnels, whether it's funnels that take private land um, or public land and they funnel into private land. Um, I'll tuck up against those funnels and uh, catch the deer moving into the the private land. Uh, Most of the time, it's big, heavy set timber um, of public land and it'll filter down into private land. So, And you just got to watch the pinch points. Um, And then my biggest thing is the wind. Uh, if the wind ain't right, don't hunt it. It's mm-hmm. just it's what it boils down to. Uh, the the deer's nose is is their God given talent. So yeah. oh yeah, they don't always they may see you, uh, but if they don't smell you, they're probably not gonna go anywhere. No, uh, I'm I'm a, I can test that where I've seen I've had up to a dozen deer sitting out in the middle of nowhere, just sitting there, just beauty studio, just just leaving your head in a, in one position and just using your eyes to view everything. Uh, now, do you? Do you do the grunt and pound type thing, or do you like to sit up in a tree? Both. I've got mobile setups. I, I've the past two bucks I've shot come out of a turk my turkey seat that has just grabbed it because the wind wasn't right for my stand or or my normal tree that I sit on. So um, I just grab my turkey seat and kind of brush myself up against the tree, and and so my past two bucks have come off the ground. Um, actually, my biggest deer come out of a blind. Um, <laughs> The deer I had an encounter with this year's 180, 185 inch deer that I didn't, Ooh, I didn't wow. get a chance to harvest. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. That was public land uh, last last Saturday, um, or no, last Friday. Excuse me, it was last Friday. What was the circumstances uh, behind that big guy? 
Um, a limb, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, 62-yard shot. Um, it was about 15 minutes before, before uh, legal shoot light was ended. And um, it, there was a limb in front of his vitals I didn't see. So when I let the arrow fly, I sounded like – definitely sounded like, you know, an arrow slapping a tree. And when I got down, I cut off a limb about the size of my index finger off the, off a tree. I just I didn't see the didn't see the limb. Yeah, sixty two yards is a bit of a far because like I've just begun shooting that distance right now with my new Tetra, yep. and it is it is a challenge because it's like being able to be maintain the consistency, but it's also you I have the you get the PTSD of robbing hooding your good arrows, and it's like yeah. you're shooting Maxima Reds or Full Metal Jackets, I and mean, you're looking at. 12 to 16 dollars an arrow and it's like you arrow robin hood one of those things like that's like 30 some dollars right there it's like yeah and if you if you're not rich it's like you're getting sponsored by one of those guys it's like you don't want to risk that um, right but um I, but i know what you mean though it's like i've been really doing the I, uh, my last my last buck i shot was up out of a tree stand and then now it's like i, I try to like right now since like these these properties that like the public lands i'm, I'm new to them so it's like I've just been doing kind of a less is more. I just did a lot of e-scouting and just and just right now I'm just sitting on food. I'm sitting on clover right now and I'm sitting right between the bedding like where the does are. So if I haven't quite figured out where the bucks are because with public land, I don't quite trust everybody. I don't want to leave a nice camera right. out there. So it's like it's it's sad that it's you can't do that because it's like it would be nice to be able to like, hey, like like to be able to leave it out there, leave it open. And it's like somebody can come through and copy all those cards, all those pictures and put them on their phone. So this way then, and they can put it like a nice little love note there or like, a, or take a picture from it. Like, hey, saying thank you. And I, and it's like, they put the card back and you're leaving all the pictures still there. So this way that you can look at it, but I don't, it just, it just doesn't work that way. Cause there's a lot of um, selfishness in a sense, but uh, i tell you what though, news, like I said earlier tonight, nose jammer has been a, a, a godsend because hunting in the bluff country, the wind where I was sitting at was just going at one moment is coming to my left. Go next minute is coming to my right. Next minute is coming down the down my uh down the back of my neck. And it's like I just there's no what there's I couldn't it couldn't fight or work. There's no way of winning or losing against the wind. You're just kinda like, well, I'm gonna set here if I get busted or not. But I do um really good uh earth sense for my clothes and then I just spray that circle around my my chair and it helped. It really did because it's like it, Bluff country is weird winds, very weird yep. winds. And yep. it's One like thing. when you, when you, if you ever, if you guys ever have a chance to come this far west, or, or well, if, if uh, Ben ever wants to come north, it's like, well, I'll be able to put you on deer, but whether it be big deer, it's like, well, it's, it's a whole other ball game. But nice thing is, like, where I'm hunting now, we hunt, we can hunt does all up until January 31st. If you want to deal with those single or double or double digits, a single digit cold, uh, cold, and you have an opportunity, but you know, you never know. It's like you find that old that, uh, you get towards, um, because you can't, because uh, I think it's December 31st, the last time you can hunt a buck, I believe, depending on what county you're in. And then, but it's like that's that's time when it's like if they're tired and over pressure from everybody else from a muzzleloader, shotgun, and a rifle, because. Rifles only nine days. Um, October, we have a couple of weekends where they have uh, youth seasons and uh, disability seasons to go out there. So, so it's like September is when you really got to take care of it. You take advantage of it. And then you got the rut. The nice thing about Wisconsin is that they leave the rut to archery. And then it's, then it's, at, then it's like the right afterwards. Then it goes right into gun season. I wish Minnesota would do that where it's like, cause, but they put their late season shotgun right during the rut. And it's like, hmm. So right. It's like, oh, but 
it's it's one of those things where it's like you got give and take of what you can do. Is there and so then how like when somebody wants to reach out to you to score a buck, what's the best way to do it? Um, honestly, right now it seems like Facebook, man. Facebook is is where I've been finding all my deer. Mm-hmm. Um, people tagging me in post or commenting or texting me saying, "Hey, you need to go see this guy or talk to this guy." Or, and uh, that, that's that's honestly the best way to, the best way to reach me. Um, whether it's through my actual Buckmasters page or my private page, so either way they can reach me on it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I can I can give them my phone number from there, and we can contact through text or phone call. Um, my I noticed, email. I know you leave your. I noticed you left your phone number and your email address available, so that's yep. pretty well to do it. So you're 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 uh, pretty ballsy to do that because it's like um, you've been surprised you haven't gotten any hate mail for, or hate messages from anybody. Man, it is what it is. Each to their own, man. Yeah, it's it's the thing. It's funny. I guess it's like once you get death threats, like I've gotten a few death threats through uh, Facebook and stuff like that. But like you like we talked about earlier, they just don't know what they don't know, and yeah, it just yeah, comes down to education. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, the only the only people contributing to this is is the actual people hunting. So, mm-hmm. oh, hundred percent, man. Well, yeah. man, Hunter, this was a fantastic set down. We we discussed a lot of fun stuff, but I'm looking to catch up with you at the end of the season to see what else you come across your your uh, your desk and how many more miles you put on your vehicle. For sure, buddy. Well, hopefully, be able to hear from me next week. We should we should have if your wife is up for it, we could have her on the podcast too because this way that she could talk about her own point of view and how she deals with you and and balancing Ooh. out the kids. <laughs> yeah, uh, me and her in a blind together does not go as planned. <laughs> uh, my wife and I've done it. It's like we've it's like since we've been we've been married since uh, September of last year, and we've spent majority of our time in the house since COVID. Yeah, yeah. So, no, so we haven't killed um, each other yet. Knock on wood. When when it comes to us and deer hunting, uh, we definitely have to be on two sides of the farm, or, or at least different really? trees. Yeah, real, real, she gets real competitive. Love, well, not only that, we both love doing it, and it's one of those things where um, I see a shot that that she may not see, or she sees a shot that I may not see, and I'm like, ah, oh, you need to wait, or I'm like, hey, you need to make this shot, and you better hurry up. There's on play out. So mm-hmm. there's there's been a couple heated moments, but uh luckily she still uh she still married me so that's awesome she still loves you all right well thank you folks for tuning in with hunter here uh um you'll find bucks of america podcast page will have his page and some of his bucks that he's measured throughout the season so please tune in check out his stuff and if you're traveling out to his neck of the woods make sure and you you capitalize on some give him a call all right well, thank, thank you hunter thanks, thanks enjoy the rest day. yeah you you're welcome